0: We're going to go to our scripture this morning. It's uh, found in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. And these are the words of Jesus' little brother. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, these words speak to us strongly today. And we, Lord, ask that as we come to the moment of teaching that Lord, you would set Pastor Mike's tongue on fire with your words, Lord. May they be guided and directed by the power of your Holy Spirit, that your church may be built up and edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: I need to say a couple of preparatory remarks to to the talk here. Um, Because we're going to end our talk by going right to Holy Communion. So let me first offer this uh, word of invitation. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, regardless of whether you're a United Methodist or from some other background or creed, these elements, the body and blood of Christ, are for you. We deny no one and we invite you to them. If, of course, you're not from this community of faith and you feel uneasy about coming forward, we encourage you just to simply stay in your place and and bless the Lord with your prayers. Now, we take communion here in a very simple way. And so if you've never been here before, it might be better for you to let someone else go in front of you so that you might see an example. But we take it by intinction, which means there'll be a tray of bread that uh, the confirmation communion stewards will be holding. You simply take a piece of bread out of that tray, Dip it into the cup that Vicki or Keith are holding. uh, Receive it into your mouth yourself. You handle all the elements yourselves. And then kneel down at the prayer rail, if you desire, as long as you'd like. And then, if you would, return to your uh, seats through this center aisle. Um, And and those will be our instructions. Of course, if you're in our homebound communion team, you know to pick up your bags here and take them uh, with you. Now, I say those words because we're going to lead right into communion uh, at the end of this talk. Now, the other word of warning I want to give, and we had a couple of failures at 745, so I really need to give you this, this warning. This is not a sermon in which you have the permission or the ability to do this. You, you cannot say, this is for you. This is for you. I'm telling you, this is for you. It's all of you. Don't be saying to the one on the, on the, on the right or left of you, you listening? You listening? Okay. It's important. This is really important because, I, didn't I, Keith? I indicted two people right off the bat in the sermon. I said, stop hitting your neighbor, okay? This is for you, all right? So, so here's the thing. As you listen to Pastor Keith read uh, James chapter 3, what you see in, in James chapter 3, at least at the fir- first part, is that bullseye being put on the words that we as human beings use. Now, there have been a lot of words used in the history, in the human history, in the the course of human history. Matter of fact, there's going to be a lot of words used today, not all just by television commentators either. I read last week on the internet, where of course you know everything that you read is true. This little statistic, the average American female, the average American female, men put your hands in your pockets right now, the average American female uses 30,000 words each and every day. Not surprisingly, the average American male uses considerably less. But lots of words by them are being spoken as well. Now, some of the words that we say are quite important. Some of the words that we say are not so important. You know, we have words that most everyone in here at some point ha- have said that, that really aren't so important. Those of you who can roll your minds back to the 70s. You remember the expression, what you talking about, Willis? Remember that one? You remember that expression? Or, or, or there's another one that probably everyone in here, no one will want to admit they've heard it or understand what it's for, but almost everyone could, could, could repeat this, Mike Morgan, come on down! And you could tell me where it's from, right? Or if you're really into sitcoms right now, I could say, bazinga. And a lot of you know what that means, right? So there's a lot of words that have been used in the course of human history that simply aren't that important. They, they, they can come or go, and, and they don't really harm anyone. They're just kind of, you know, filler. And there's been a lot of very important words that have been said. A lot of you, and, and certainly I know I did, in school, learned to... Uh, a handful of words that begins with the, f- with the phrase fourscore, and seven years ago you know that one right or, or now that we've moved into February Black History Month you also know that some very prophetic words were, were said once staying on the, on, the, uh, on the steps of the, the monument in, in, in honor of Lincoln who said those previous words I have a dream today those words are important. Now, now, we know that in the course of human history, there are unimportant words and there are important words. And I would also go beyond that and say that there are some extremely important words, some potent words, some words that have eternal purpose. And, and we need to focus on them as well. I have a, uh, my, my, my preaching Bible right now is a red print Bible. You, you know what a red print Bible is? It has, when you get into the Gospels and the New Testament, it has all the words that Jesus spoke in red. Now, those words are really important. And I would tell you this, that if I held it here in front of you and and read it, the words of Jesus, starting in Matthew, going through the end of the New Testament, those words, if I read them out loud, would take me less than 45 minutes to read them out loud to you. There's not very many of them. And yet they're the most important and most potent words that have ever been said. And it starts for us as we we move through today. Today with some words from Luke chapter 22. These words are probably on your screen. Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You see, this is for you. Those words are important. And the very next sentence that Jesus said that also is likely on your screen is this. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you and for many. Those potent words have been said hundreds of thousands of times, maybe millions of times since the advent that was Jesus Christ our Lord. And every time that they're said, there is this potency to them that reaches from our eternal God in heaven to those of us here that are walking in perishable bodies and call us towards that eternity through those very words and these very symbols. Now lots of words have been used in the course of human history. And as Christians, and this is where the bullseye comes today, as Christians, I need to tell you, it is a matter of faith, a matter of faith, which words we choose to use. What we say is important. What you say is important. You should underline what's up there on that screen in your mind. And you say, it is important what I say. Not just because the thought behind it has importance, but what you say is important because of the influence and the affect it will have. One of the things that I think we don't do very well as a Christians is wake up in the morning and pray about and think about what words we will say or not say today. You know, I probably should get an amen for that, you know. I mean, because we need to be thinking and praying about the words we plan to say. See, there, because there's this simple human truth and eternal truth presented to us in James chapter 3 that Keith read just a few moments ago. Out of the same mouth, and I'm going to translate this to our, human, our culture today in just a minute. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. I know... I have heard the expression to people who are using their words poorly, say, and you kiss your mother with that mouth? And you kiss your mother with that mouth? There was a a man long ago, and if you're from a Catholic tradition or a Lutheran tradition, you know about Sirach. Wisdom texts have always known this, but Sirach is a book that's on the back end of the Catholic uh, Apocrypha. And Sirach, in his book of virtuous wisdom, wrote this. Both glory and disgrace come from speaking. Now, if you're not saying amen in your heart, you're just not paying attention yet. Both glory and disgrace come from speaking because we know that words can bless us or they can wreck us. Your mother knew that. That's why she always told you when you were little, watch your... Watch your mouth. Watch your tongue. Because she knew the truth that both glory and disgrace can come from the mouth. Anyone that's over five years of age knows that this little one quarter pound of flesh can do much more good or much more harm than the whole rest of us can during the course of the day. That little one quarter pound of flesh that's wandering around inside of your mouth. That's why scripture says a small rudder can turn a big ship. And you know that one too. Remember, Remember what you learned either in Sunday school or school or or, or by your parents? You know, your mother or father used to always tell you, sticks and stones. But, and you know what they were telling you about that? They would tell you that when someone was hurting you with their words. And they know what you know today. They mean well. well. That's not true. Wounds of the body, they heal. You know, 30 years ago, I broke this hand playing football. I broke this hand. and broke eight metacarpals in there, as whatever they are in there. Broke them eight different times in there. And guess what? I can pick stuff up. I was able to eat with a fork yesterday, okay? That hand works just fine. That body, that body healed just fine. But I can also tell you a little bit, uh, 30 years ago, I was sitting in my office, the youth pastor's office at the church where I was uh, the, the youth pastor at. And down the hall was the field supervisor from the seminary where I was at, speaking to my boss, who was a seminary classmate of him. And he said this sentence, I heard it come out of his mouth, and since I can directly quote it 30-some years ago, it had a penetrable impact on my heart. He said, congratulations, Gene, you've hired the only guy that we think cannot graduate from the the school or have any success at all in ministry. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the facts. That thing stuck in my heart, and it hurt. It hurt. Not, not only did it hurt because I could see who else was in class beside me and I'd be like, really? Wow, I'm worse than I thought I was. But that wound has a hard time healing. And, and so, of course, we're admonished and need to be admonished that, 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 that what we say might endure a lifetime. What we say might endure a lifetime. In blessing and in curse. More of you will remember at this service than maybe our later services, a woman named Myrna Carter. She lives here at at, at, uh, Summit Point, but she was on the staff of the church for a number of decades. And years ago, we did as a staff reading a book called uh, Life of the Beloved by Andre Nouwen. And she challenged us at the end of that staff meeting, which we have every two weeks, to spend the next two weeks and every time we greeted someone from the church to end our conversation by simply saying the person's name. Uh, so, Maddie, you are beloved. Just like that. And guess what? People were encouraged by that. And you could literally see their countenance rise because they'd been blessed by a simple sentence. I never once in the time that I was doing that, and I still say that pretty frequently now but I never once said and I never have once said to someone you are beloved and they say no I don't want to be beloved never because words of blessings just like words of curse go into our hearts and they and and they and they 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 change us in ways for the positive or the negative Pastor Keith last week preached on Luke chapter 2 or James chapter 2 and in James chapter 2 there is that sentence faith without works is dead. It says faith without works is dead. And I'm here to present to you today that your words are one of your works. Your words are one of your most important works, even though you might be using several thousand of them today. The words we use are a spiritual issue because our tongue can do more work in 15 minutes to build up or tear down than the rest of us might be able to do in a day. I can build a wall in a day, but the wall I can build between people, I can do that in 15 seconds, right? So can you. So I submit to you the words of your works or one of your works. James chapter one says this, those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongue, you know, tracer's tight, holding it back. Their tongues deceive themselves. And the religion is worthless. If you're not saying what you believe, your words are worthless. As Christians, our words simply must reflect our faith. George Barna is a great church growth expert guy, and he goes around the world doing these, these studies. He said this, and of course I th- would direct it at Cedar Rapids, Marion Robbins, Hiawatha, and all of our extensions. He said, would a visitor to your city, someone that was not from here, if they came here, would they be able to tell the difference between those who follow Christ and those who do not by their words? Like, wow. We do concentrate a lot on our actions, of course. And we also need to concentrate on our words. Would a visitor from out of town be able to tell that if they met you just from your words that you were Christians? See, our words as, as works of faith should reflect our heart, and our heart should reflect that Christ is our Lord, and He's the Master and Savior of of, of all of us. Take a look at what Paul writes in Ephesians 4 24. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. All right, I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but as your pastor, I will say guilty, guilty, guilty. I have in my life, and maybe in my week, allowed some unwholesome talk to come out of my mouth. Most of you, have been, if you're being honest, would at least get the Methodist hand raised go if I asked you, right? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I have a friend, Reverend uh, Dr. Melanie Rose. She's a pastor out in Lakewood, Colorado. And I'll tell you what, anytime I'm just doing cruddy or feeling bad, I call Melanie, because she's one of those people, and I hope you have several of these in your life. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. When you call Melanie, you're going to get blessed, and you're going to get built up. And I, I can remember, you know, talking to her some time ago. I said, oh, you know, Melanie, I preached a sermon. Nobody was listening, and, and, uh, uh, and you know, it was just horrible, and they, they wanted me to leave and all that. She said, oh, Mike, you're so awesome as a preacher. And I know the congregation was probably just praying deeply on your words, reflecting what you were saying. And I'll tell you what, you, you feel better. You're like walking on air when you get away from Melanie. And it's not because she's, she's filled with, with, with hot air. The reason that she's been so successful in ministry is not because she has a PhD, not because she's been a district superintendent, not even because she's some, such a fantastic uh, preacher. The, the, the fact that, that, that she is successful in ministry and can build me up so well is that her heart— is in Christ. She does not have the ability as a human being to construct that many words in a row that are helpful for building me up, or you, or the several thousand that are in her congregation. What she has, like I pray all of us aspire to, is Christ in her heart. Therefore, he is constructing her words to reflect his spirit on others. So the question is, how are you at that of letting your heart be in Christ? Take a look at this scripture. It's a little bit long, but it's four or five verses from Matthew 12. These are Jesus' words. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You know where we're going here, of course. You brood of vipers, how can you say, you who are evil, say anything good? For the mouth speaks. Hear that? See that last line? Not what the mind thinks but what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. This is not going to bode well for me sometimes, and maybe not for you. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. That is a serious issue. That is a serious issue. Our words have an internal, eternal impact on us. That is why James in chapter 3 says this, The tongue also is like a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. So the question is, are you able? Are you able to make your fruit good? See, I I would say we cannot. I would say I am unable to make the fruit of my words good all by myself. I I know this to be true. There's been many times when I've said, I've got to quit doing, saying this, whatever. And I never had any success until I understood what could tame my tongue. See, God alone can tame our tongue. It's a serious problem, serious issue. And therefore, we need serious help. From where do we get our help? In the millions of words that are out there, let let, let me show you a picture. I had Simon go out there. I think there's a picture at Barnes & Noble. That's the self-help section. That's how many books there are in self-help. And that's probably not all of them, I would, I would guess. I've, I've been to various bookstores. You can get thousands, millions of words written about self-help. So you, there are several books, and I know we don't have a good enough Zoom on this, but if you were to go out, out there and you could find these books, and these books would be filled with pithy words of advice and counsel, like an apology is a good way to have the last word. Amen? I like that. That's fun. Or there's another one that probably says, this is one that's been said to me a lot. If your mind goes blank, turn off the sound. Those are good words of advice, no question. They're they're good advice, of course, but but we're not just wrestling. We are not just wrestling with the one quarter pound of flesh that that wanders around in our mouth, that utters poor words. If we were just wrestling with that, we might be able to beat it. If nothing else, we could take a razor to it. But we have to beat it with something more. We're wrestling with the forces of evil that come from our inside out and set that that tongue on fire. So self-help will not get us there. Jesus says, Not that we necessarily need the right words, but we need the right heart that will flow the right words. We don't need self-help. We need supernatural help. Take a look at this bookshelf. That's supernatural help. That's the one book, the one resource we know. You recognize that. That's one of our pew Bibles there. One of our old pew Bibles sitting on a bookshelf all by itself because that's the kind of help we need. When we receive supernatural help, when we understand that that's what we need, then we have the ability with both our heart, our mind, and our tongue to confess, to admit that the motivation that moved the negative and nasty words through our lips is wrong and that we are sorry for that. We need the ability to to move towards confession. And I believe only the Spirit of God can take us there. And then, of course, we move to repentance, to claim the fact that yes, we're wrong, and yes, we want to change. We have the ability to turn towards the direction we desire to change, but the steps we take have to be given us by the Lord. Our decision is to, to, to confess our sins and to repent, make ourselves ready to move the direction of the Lord, and then we receive the purification and the cleansing of our heart and pray for the influx of the words that God gives us to speak. And I would say this, it's just like your shampoo daily, rinse, repeat, confess, repent, and receive the purification that God can give you. Let what you say be important. Let what you say be one of your works to the glory of God. Let your words be that which bless people and build them up. And as you ponder and consider that today, remember the precious and potent words of Jesus who says, this is for you.